Welcome to Connecting the Community podcast. I am your host, Marge Andre. I will be connecting you to people, organizations, and events that create community. I am creating this podcast in Richmond Hill, an eclectic and very culturally diverse community with lots of trees and streams and interesting people just up the hill from Toronto. On this podcast, I will be talking with Mary Cott, my co-producer of the Richmond Hill Speaker Series. Welcome, Mary. Thank you, March. Mary, you have found seven great speakers for us for the spring series. Before you tell us about them, I want to say something about this concept of continual learning for adults, also referred to as third age learning or later life learning. I want to share why older uh, adults should continue to learn. I sort of cheated with this exercise and I put this question in the chat GPT, the new AI learning. This is what it says. Older adults should continue to learn, to stay mentally and physically active, remain connected to their communities, and stay up to date on important world events. Learning helps keep minds sharp and can help prevent dementia and other forms of cognitive decline. Learning can also provide an opportunity for older adults to explore new hobbies, gain new skills, and make new connections with people. Additionally, continuing to learn can help older adults stay engaged and motivated to remain active, which can help them stay healthier for longer. Mary, do you concur with this description? Would you add anything? Well, first, I want to say, interesting that you got all this from Chad GPT. I'm going to have to try it out, actually. Yes, you do. Please, you got to try it out. Yes. <laughs> okay. But um, um, yes, I would concur with, uh, with what you've just uh, said. Um, lifelong learning is a way to stay connected. And for, and for lectures such as the ones that uh, we're producing, um, and particularly when it's in person, it gets people out and socially engaged. And I'd like to share a quote that I am particularly fond of. And it goes like this. One's mind, when stretched by a a new idea, never regains its original dimension. This was by Oliver Wendell Holmes. Okay. So I'm going to put that quote in our podcast notes. I like that one. So, yeah. I just like the fact that, you know, by continually learning and, and new ideas that your mind continually grows. Yeah. I think that's so important. I do want to add, it's also good for marital relationships. I find for myself, it <laughs> certainly gives me something to talk to my husband about. So it's a, uh, yeah, very positive that way as well. So uh, this upcoming series is going to be online. Uh, we ourselves and actually other speaker series have really deliberated deliberated on the pros and cons of do you do it in person or do you stay online? During the height of COVID, we had no choice. And, you know, for the most part, so many of us are comfortable with this. Despite us recognizing the importance of connecting with others, um, being face-to-face, we, we don't mind just 
doing things online now. But um, why now do we continue to offer the virtual series? We are exploring the options of in-person meetings for the fall. Uh, last fall, we offered a flex hybrid model uh, that allowed those who purchased tickets the option of attending some in person and some in line and making that decision the day of. But uh, right now we're doing it in the uh, all online. Mary, can you explain and say a few more things about why we're doing it online? Well, I think that we're doing it online. Um, one, one of the things that we discovered from our hybrid model last fall is that the majority of people did want to still continue online. And given uh, when we plan this series, we, uh, we do start planning the series a few months out, um, we had to make a decision. And at that point, it was still a little uncertain in terms of uh, the trajectory of what COVID would be like at this time of year. So we opted to do it online and give the, the so that folks can, can attend virtually. Um, and that's basically the decision. Mm -hmm. However, uh, everyone should know that we're really considering going back to the hybrid model uh, for this coming autumn. Mm -hmm. And that, that gives the added bonus that uh, individuals buy a ticket and they have the option to decide, as you said, on that particular day, whether they want to come in person or to um, still watch it uh, via Zoom. The interesting thing is that uh, when we did the hybrid model in the fall, it was most interesting that the speakers really appreciated that because as much as the audience was a small audience, it was enough to give the, uh, that audience feedback to them. And they really appreciated that. Yeah. So um, that's how we hope to move forward in the fall. Right. We are taking advantage of having this series online and that you've got speakers that are coming not from just in the Richmond Hill, the GTA. So you're going to, when you talk about the speakers, I think you'll mention that some are not just around the corner in our neighborhood. So that is a benefit. And also, you know, it, it is the winter time. Uh, maybe by March and April it will be nicer, but it could be absolutely lousy out. And we don't have to worry about the ice and snow and cold and bundling up, et cetera. So uh, we're going to take advantage of that. We also know that some people do go away, but they, okay, they're down in their place, Florida, wherever. They can just tune in and enjoy the, the uh, talk wherever they are. So there are advantages, many advantages for staying virtual. Yes, Mary, there are. I do want you to, uh, I feel like I need to do a drum roll now. Oh. And have you tell us about the seven, we, we, there's a bonus this time, seven speakers that we have for the fall. So I'm sure you've got your notes prepared and I am listening closely. Okay, so these are the seven speakers for the spring, Marge, not the fall. Yes, sorry. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. And and yes, the, the beauty of us being able to, uh, if we're doing a series entirely via Zoom, it allows us to go further afield. So we do have some uh, individuals from um, uh, outside of the GTA, as far as Mexico, actually, that we'll be uh, presenting. So our series begins on March 9th. And again, just as a reminder, uh, it's the usual time. It's 10 o'clock in the morning until 12 noon. And our first speaker is Daniel Claire Coles. And Daniel will share his Indigenous worldview on Métis experience, culture, and history, including sharing some of his own family and personal examples and stories to um, help begin and 
further our own learning journey uh, uh, as we learn about um, the Indigenous experience. In this case, um, I don't think we know very much about the Métis experience, and I think this will be most interesting. Then we move on to uh, March 16th, the following week, and Seth Klein will be coming to us from Vancouver, and he's exploring how we can align our politics and economy with what the science says we must do to address climate crisis. He brings an original and a uniquely hopeful take on this challenge. Um, what he's done is he examines the uh, lessons from the Second World War, and he's looking at how can we mobilize the country into addressing this very pressing issue. Um, you know, it seems that um, there's a lot of talk, but we need to mobilize now, and it'll be an interesting talk that uh, and perspective that Seth brings to this. Then the following week, we have another interesting speaker, and Marilyn will be coming from uh, Mexico. And she's going to be talking about the many astonishing lives of Louise de Kiriline Lawrence. And this is an individual that honestly amazed me when I read her uh, Marilyn's book. Now, uh, Louise was born uh, to, into Swedish aristocracy. And uh, she turned her back on privilege and as a Red Cross nurse followed her white Russian husband into the Russian Civil War and a Bolshevik prison. When her husband disappeared, that's when she immigrated to Canada, where she became, get this, she was the nurse in charge of the, the Qu Dion quintuplets. So she, uh, she did that. She actually was their nurse for a year. And then after a year, she just had to leave that uh, crazy atmosphere. And she built a log cabin in the wilderness where she began to study birds. And um, she began to look at birds and study their life history and their behavior. And she actually self-trained herself in the art of bird science. And she began publishing groundbreaking studies and actually wrote six books and scores of magazine stories tracking the decline of songbirds in the 1940s and 50s. And she actually linked it to the toxic spraying um, a decade before Rachel Carson, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. And so we'll be hearing all about this amazing uh, individual who was actually became world renowned in her studies of birds. Um, and many ornithologists would come uh, to visit her. And it, her, it was, um, her cabin was uh, in the woods near Calendar, Ontario. The following week, we have Daniel Robert Laxer, and he brings an interesting perspective to the fur trade. And he's going to talk to us about the fur trade uh, he calls his lecture, Listening to the Fur Trade, a new history of its sounds, songs, and ceremonies. Now, although remembered for its material exchanges, this talk will explore how the fur trade was also predicated on musical exchanges and sound ways among its diverse participants. And he'll explain what, sound, what he means by sound ways. Extensive archive, archival and museum-based research reveals the confluence of music, cultures that intersected and developed in and around the trading posts, in the canoes, and on the portages, including Indigenous music, voyager songs, and instrumental dance music from the fiddle. He also goes into Indigenous 
um, healing ceremonies and their music as well. So we're going to learn about the fur trade from a totally different perspective. They're very interesting. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing him. Yes, and moving on, on April 6th, Deirdre um, McCorkendale is going to talk to us about the Underground Railroad and the free Black communities in Canada West, which is really Western Ontario at this point. But Deirdre will explain um, what the Underground Railroad was and how it operated. She will also discuss the Black communities that resulted from Black freedom uh, seekers and their allies in southwestern Ontario by, by profiling select Black communities as examples. Uh, this discussion of settlement will also include the Black community's activist efforts to end slavery in the United States and to earn equal rights on Canadian soil. Again, it's a part of history that we're not all that familiar with, so that will be an interesting lecture. Then on April 13th, we have Michael Artfield, who's going to be talking about cold cases and forensic genealogy. And he's also put, said, is it the end of whodunits? Since the National DNA Databank went, data bank, sorry, went online a quarter century ago, detective work has relied on largely unchanged system that requires DNA samples from crime scenes to be matched to samples taken from convicted offenders. But recent advances in forensic genealogy have revolutionized the investigation of cases where a DNA match has proven elusive using the legacy technology and have shown that cases once deemed unsol unsolvable can finally be resolved. So he's going to be talking about the new technology and how they have been uh, able to close a, a number of cold cases. Now he's a professor at um, and criminologist at Western University where he founded the Cold Case Society. And he'll be talking about that as well. And he's also co-director with the Murder Accountability Project in Washington, D.C. So he has many interesting things to share with us. Yeah, I think we'll have a good Q&A with that one for certain. I think so. Yeah. And then on the 20th of April, which will be our last lecture, we have Lindsay Kichida Burrow speaking. Now, she's Indigenous herself. And she will be talking about how Indigenous legal tradition, or tradition sorry, are protecting the environment uh, for Canadians. And she writes, it is a central condition of being human that we must take from the earth to survive. Yet the extractive narratives and practices within Canadian laws stand in contrast to earth-centered Indigenous legal traditions. These tra differences influence how decisions are made that in turn have enormous consequences on people and the more than human world, plants, animals, fungi, water, rocks, etc. This talk proposes that the essential work of reconciliation between Indigenous and non-Indigenous peoples includes reconciling ourselves with the earth and confronting the stories and practices uh, we both explicitly and implicitly um, uphold. We will explore questions of environmental justice from the lens of Indigenous peoples' own laws. So that'll be a most interesting lecture, I think. That will. And uh, we often send out a survey asking people how they like different topics. And there's a rating scales. I think this is going to be really difficult to really outrank one versus another. Though I really think 
they all could get really good ratings for being interesting topics. So we certainly have uh, opportunities, actually seven weeks, to really uh, stretch our brains. So uh, that uh, that's excellent. So Mary, thank you for all the work for arranging these speakers. You, uh, But in one sense, I'm jealous that you've got to talk already with these interesting people. But you know, I'm often asked, like, how do you get these speakers? And I have to say, no, it's not me. It, it is Mary. So I know you don't want to tell us all your secrets, but can you just generally tell us how do you how do you create such a great lineup of speakers? I don't have a, pr a proven method, March. Um, okay. I, I do a fair amount of research. I read a lot of, of articles. I read op-eds. I read magazines. I also um, will attend a lecture and, and there'll be a thread that I want to pursue and it might lead me to a different speaker. Um, or I have um, colleagues who also um, have our um, uh, individuals who, who also uh, arrange for speakers about, for their certain clubs. And so amongst us, we have a network that we sometimes share. Um, and my objective is to try and come up with a, a very unique um, group of speakers for each uh, series because uh, there are so many different groups that you one could purchase tickets to listen to. And I'd like to bring in more current topics and have them as diverse as possible. So there's no, no proven method, but okay. it's, a, it's a, okay. a diverse way I approach things. <laughs> okay. No, it is fantastic. Uh, you've done this many times. We have decided uh, that we will be have a variety rather than a theme. Other uh, groups do have themes. You and I have both at attended those uh, top talks, but uh, we have decided to have a variety and I, I, I see real value in that. Okay. That is not to say that we won't ever, ever have a themed one, but at the yeah. moment, this is what we're pursuing. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Who knows what we'll be offering to you sometime. Yes. Yeah. Okay. In the past, uh, we had had six speakers, but this spring we do have seven. And the cost is only $50 for them. It, we did have one person say, geez, you know, I'm going to miss one or two. Can you, you know, reduce the price? And we're saying, you know, we really, we're not surprised that people are, have other things on. We really do feel like the cost of $50 for seven lectures is extremely reasonable. Uh, we have set it up on Eventbrite and you register. And then before each lecture, we send you a, uh, a Zoom webinar link. So making that easy, all of us, I think, now are quite used to using uh, Zoom. So uh, we are really looking forward to this. Ticket sales have been going quite well. But uh, with this technology, we can have lots of people tune in. So any, Mary, is there anything that you'd like to add right now? Uh well, just to reinforce that uh, with this series, one gets the bonus of the seventh lecture for the cost of six. And uh, I think that we have a range of topics that will, uh, uh, to, to quote again, stretch the mind. Yeah. So uh, please, I encourage you to uh, join us. Right. And we do uh, as well, very often, the, I have a follow-up email after the lecture. So 
if the speaker does give us, you know, you got to see this, you got to go to this link, uh, we, we do send out uh, an email to everyone who's been attending uh, with all that information to really encourage people to explore, understand, have good discussions with other people. Okay. So I do like to end all my podcasts with this question. Name just one thing that you really like about this community. Okay, Marge, you've asked me this question before. Yes. <laughs> and, the, and I've answered before with the uh, Richmond Hill Center for the Performing Arts. Uh, so this time, I will say it is the David Dunlop Observatory. Uh, it's a piece of national history in our midst that Canadians should be aware of. And it's um, not just the, the observatory, but the administration building and the just the wonderful grounds that it's, it's a place that everyone should take time to visit and to learn about. Right. I will second that. And we have had on this podcast, uh, Ian uh, Shelton and Tuba Koktoy, uh, who are the astronomers at the uh, observatory. So yes, uh, I agree with you. The DDO, David Dunlop Observatory, yep. uh, basically 10 minutes away from both of us uh it's a treasure um it's a it's a real treasure so yeah i thank you for saying that so again uh thank you mary for taking the time to do this podcast and to do the speaker series we hope everyone who is listening to this podcast will also be listening to uh our speaker series thank you and you're welcome thank you for listening I would very much appreciate you sharing this podcast. Please tune in next week as we continue to explore the community. Consider emailing me at marj, M-A-R-J, at marjandre.com. I welcome suggestions for podcast guests. Stay well, stay connected. <laughs>